Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, you got your Bibles with you this morning? Maybe some of you have your phone. I don't know. Maybe you put it, have your Bible on your phone. That's okay or whatever. We're going to go into the book of Ezra together. Uh, Ezra in the Old Testament, uh, Old Testament, we know it's uh, Nehemiah, Ezra, uh, are kind of a, a, a joint set of books there, and it's going to be a good time together as we open God's Word, and uh, it, it's time for us to build again. It's just time for us to build again, and uh, we're, we're going to begin our series and uh, towards this, uh, the biggest day of the year, which is Resurrection Sunday, great time as we celebrate the most special time for us as followers of Christ, when we remember what Jesus has done and as he was raised. And the world we live in is what it is, but our, but our call as followers of Jesus is to walk with him, to serve him, to follow him, and to live for him in the world we are in. And while we get started on this journey of building again, uh, we have to remember to keep broadening our vision for what God wants to do in and through us. And we talked about broadening it last week, uh, but it's something that we need to continue as we walk through this life day by day. Now, Ezra chapter 1 is going, to be our, uh, is going to be our scripture for the day where we see this king, King Cyrus. He, he's under God's direction, and he opens the door to bring the, Isra- uh, the Israelite exiles back to uh, Jerusalem, back to Judah, and he's bringing them in. Uh, have you ever noticed those big grand opening signs that are out there? Uh, once in a while, you'll have a, a new store that pops up, and then they put that big old sign across it that says grand opening or grand reopening. If they're uh, maybe reestablished after a period. Uh, and uh, so it, it's really kind of an exciting time for those in the store, for those uh, that are coming as well, right? They get to say, hey, let's, let's see what's inside of this place. Let's see what they have to offer for everybody that comes in. And so you get to go and maybe they give you a free donut. Well, probably not in COVID, but uh, maybe they give you a free this or free knickknack or something. And so you get to go into those places and there's, you get to walk down the aisles that pique your interest. Uh, and so like when Mardell Christian Bookstore opened up here recently, we, we went in and we got to go in on that uh, grand opening and, and see what they have. And, and I combed every one, every one of those book aisles and uh, I looked to see what they had. I want to see what materials and all that had. It was exciting to me. I, I enjoy that kind of thing. They, have, they provide all kinds of things there. And, uh, and uh, you know, you just, you like to go to those places. Maybe for you, it's when they open a new hobby store. Uh, and you get to go in and check the items out that they have. Maybe you fly airplanes or toy airplanes or whatever they are, or RC cars, or maybe you do quilting or something like that. And uh, those kind of things you enjoy. And so when there's a new store in town, you go to them, right? You want to check them out. You want to see what there is. And... Uh, so a grand opening or a grand reopening can really be something great because you get to step in and find something new. But you also, especially if it's a reopening, you get to step in and find some of the same things that you saw before that were encouraging to you. And that's a special thing when you get to do that. Now, the people of Israel, 
They've been gone for a long period. They've been gone around 60 or 70 years uh, at this point, and the demolition of their beloved Jerusalem and temple, it was over with. And so now the Lord opens the door for them to return to their favorite place, back to Jerusalem, and they get to come back to this place, and uh, uh, I'm sure that it didn't quite look the same, nor would it have uh, sounded the same, but there were some great comforting things that they could find again as they rebuild and as they continued to move on together. And also they were, they were able to get back to worship in the right way because now they were going to reestablish and to rebuild the temple and they were going to build again. That's what they were going to do and they would be able to get past their temporary way of worship. Does it sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? Now, we may not be exiles, uh, but some people may feel like exiles in the things that we have dealt with in the times in these last year. And, uh, and I know that it's not always been easy, but we recognize that in Ezra, we find those who were willing to lead the way back, and then others followed in time. And in, in time, those online will be able to come back fully. And they'll be able to join us uh, together as things continue to progress. And, but let's listen to what Ezra says here in the Word of God. And uh, he says this in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. He says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation through his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judea. Quite interesting here. Uh, and if you notice, he talks about making a proclamation and then on top of that to put it in writing. Those are two different things, actually. The proclamation tended to be something verbal, uh, and the writing, then the uh, written thing was then sent out to everybody else. Uh, and so there's something here. There's three things that we're going to look at this morning. And the first thing is this, is that God was putting it together. It was God who was putting all of that stuff back together and, uh, and so it wasn't just the wisdom or the idea of this secular king or this king that was not a follower of, uh, of the Lord. He was not a follower of, of Yahweh. Uh, but from the sound of the verse here, King Cyrus may have seen himself as one who was putting it all together. And Cyrus was the founder of the Persian Empire, and he was one of the greatest there. But while he reigned over uh, the Persians from about 559 to about 530 B.C., so he, he ran the show for about 29 years. And just because he led the Persians doesn't mean that he had the corner on God's direction, because he did not. And right here, Ezra mentions that the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus. Uh, not only this, but Cyrus' actions would actually fulfill what Jeremiah the prophet had prophesied earlier. Now that really gives me comfort. And you say, what? It gives me comfort. Uh, as unusual as it sounds, 
Uh, Isaiah chapter 44, verse 28, you can just note it for yourself. And Isaiah 45, verse 1, speaks of Cyrus as the Lord's shepherd and his anointed. This Persian king. And the fact was that God was going to use this ungodly man to actually save God's people. And you need to understand that God can work through others to cause his will to come to pass. Uh, and he can do that if, if they serve him or not. He is just that capable. I don't know that we think about that very much. I think many times we misunderstand some of the things in our world and we need to step back and recognize uh, right here, just, just because uh, he was what he was, Cyrus, doesn't mean that uh, he was a godly man. And just because what he did doesn't mean he was a godly man. And I think that we have to understand here that God has our back. If we will serve him and follow him, he will walk with us and he will take care of us no matter what we face in this world. Doesn't mean we won't have trouble. Jesus himself said that we would have trouble in this world. That's just part of life. He knew it. He was with the Father, just like the song we created, or we, just like the song we sang about, he, he created. Uh, it comes out of John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was there in the beginning with the Father. Jesus was, and we understand that, and so he knows us. Now, now, the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah was the prophet's prediction over in Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 1 to 12. And then later on, he says in, verse, in chapter 29, verse 10, and his prophecy was of a 70-year Babylonian captivity. Now, we're talking about the Persians. So how does that come in? Well, Nebuchadnezzar, the old king Nebuchadnezzar, had come in and pulled the people of Judah and ripped them out of their homeland and ripped them out of Jerusalem and tear, torn everything down. Nebuchadnezzar had, who was a Babylonian. And now the Persians have taken over, and now you find uh, Cyrus sitting there on the throne. That prophecy out of Jeremiah 25, verse 10 and 11 says this, should be on the screen for you. It says, I will banish from them the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and bridegroom, the sound of millstones and the light of the, light of the lamp. This whole country will become a desolate wasteland and these, these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. So that was the prophecy that the Lord had given through his prophet uh, to his people. And you may wonder why the Lord was dealing with the people of Israel that way. Well, they had refused to live for him. And uh, so and he had a, God had a covenant with them. And so uh, God turned up the heat to give them a chance to be able to repent or to turn back to him away from their old ways. And you know, it's one thing to die and then go into eternity without God, but it's much less of an issue to be corrected by God and turn to Him in repentance. If you really read the Scripture for what it says, you have to grab a hold of that truth. You know, for, for us to live in this life and to serve God and go home early, that's not a terrible thing because we have to get a different perspective of what eternity is. Because if I, if I go home early, in other words, if I passed away early, I would be in the presence of God, and therefore I don't have to worry or fret. 
And so it's important for us to understand that if people walk away from that, if they walk away from him, then to give up their life is a whole other thing. So to face trouble now is temporary. It's just a temporary thing. But even a pandemic is temporary, but it does not mean it's without pain. Now, we understand that those kind of things can be painful. And Cyrus was even part of the Lord's fulfillment of prophecy. Quite interesting. And here is something that that may give you some uh, insight about this king, just a little bit from what we know in in history. And his politics are, are what seem to cause him to act the way he does, not necessarily because he loved God. It's not necessarily the case, but it's politics. And because what he tended to do is he pacified the religions of the world or in the locality where he was at or, or that were the peoples that were subjected to him. And so he pacified them, and uh, instead of carrying off all the items of worship and, you know, robbing their temples and all that like Nebuchadnezzar had already done to Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, so, uh, and so what this guy would do is he would help them, and that's what he's doing here. And he sees it as, hey, I'm doing a good political deed. But God says, no, you're going to do this for me because I'm God. These are my people and I'm going to make sure that this happens, no matter what your politics are. So King King, uh, Cyrus, his generosity to the Jewish people was really uh, about the same as his generosity to the Babylonians and to the uh, Assyrians and the others around them. So ultimately, it was the Lord who had moved his heart as Ezra says there. God still put it together. God still put it together. He was the one that put put things together, and He can put things together for us to build again. Amen? He can put things together for you to build again. Amen? He is able and willing to do that, and God can put things together in your life. Years ago, uh, in ancient time, there, uh, there uh, there was an artist uh, and I probably say his name wrong. He's a Greek artist. His name is Tiamantes, and he's studying under a great teacher. And after several years of teaching, finally, Tiamantes was able to uh, paint a beautiful work of art. It took him a while. He must have been a slow learner like me. I don't know. And, and so he, he's painting, and, and finally he creates something that is wonderful. And Tiamantes decides that this thing is great. And so what he does is he looks at his, he comes in uh, to the office and he looks at his uh, painting and he just gazes at it and stares at it for a while. Like, this is wonderful. But finally he came in one morning and the, the teacher was a little bit frustrated with him. He came in one morning and he looks at his painting and the whole thing had been blotted out with a bunch of paint. This masterpiece that he created. And the teacher came to him and Timontes kind of had an idea, hey, this guy did this. And he's like, what is the deal? He's like, it was hindering your progress. It was slowing you down. Yeah, that was nice, but it was hindering your progress and it was limiting what Uh, you really have down deep inside of you. And I think for each and every one of us at times, 
God will, God will blot out our painting and he will blot out that work in our lives that we've been looking at and say, hey, isn't that wonderful? And God says, no, that, that may be good, but that's just one level and I have something to do and to take you beyond that, but you can't just keep focusing on that all the time. And sometimes that's what God does with us as well. It's so easy to stare at our own work and then be hindered uh, by what we see. There, there has to be a time when you let your good work be set aside uh, so for the masterpiece that God wants to work in you and through your life. I, I like what the Bible says over in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, in the, uh, the New Living Translation. It says it this way. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we could do good things He planned for long ago. And you are God's masterpiece. He's forming you. He's working in your life. And, and He's created you through procreation. But He is forming you. And He has a plan for your life. And He has a plan for each and every one of us. And His plan for us is good. He's got something good for us. The second thing we see here out of Ezra is this, is that every believer was invited to serve. Every believer there in Judah, uh, the, the exiles, they're out, you know, they've been over in Babylonia and Persian Empire now. And so they were invited to serve. Those who responded to the invitation of the king were the innovators. They they were the visionaries. They were those who were early adopters, and they were willing to step in on the scene to do what it took to return to the land and to see things change. Look at Ezra chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 with me this morning and see what uh, it says here. It says, Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judea and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. Now, I find that interesting, first of all, uh, just because of the way he, write, way he says this, too. Remember, we're not necessarily, that the Bible records different things, but we're, we're hearing this king tell them, who is pretty much, if we would say in modern-day terms, a secular king, not necessarily a follower of God at all, but, it, but he's saying, you know, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, well, that's a misunderstanding. We know that, yeah, that was, that was the location for the temple, and that's where they worshipped him, but we understand that he's omnipresent, that he is everywhere, and he's not limited. So just, uh, just a note for you. And, and he says, and may their God be with them. And then he says in verse 4, and in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold and good, with goods and livestock and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. So we see that God is calling out those who had been in exile. He's calling them out. It's really quite unusual because he doesn't demand them to go up to Jerusalem. That's not what he does. Uh, he doesn't force them to go up to build. He, he simply says to anybody, basically, who is willing, it's like his invitation was for them to be the innovators. He said, you want to be the innovators here, yet they had to be willing. I don't know if you noticed another uh, group of people here in verse 4, uh, but he speaks of the survivors. 
those who were survivors. And the word in the original language means everyone who remains over. Everybody who remains over. It refers to the survivors of the capture and deportation uh, by Nebuchadnezzar when they pulled them out, ripped them out of Judah, and pulled them out of there. And they too had to be willing to support the work as they rebuilt the city walls and the temple. My question to you is, are you a survivor? Are you a survivor? Are you a survivor? We're here by the grace of God, or you're here with us online. Are you a survivor? Are you willing to take part? There are some things that you have to be able to consider here. Uh, in, this, in this time and in this world that we're in, let me just take you down through a couple things about survivors, what they aren't and maybe what they are. Survivors aren't always unscathed. They're not always unscathed. Survivors don't always live pain-free. Survivors don't always have all the answers. They just don't. But survivors can be willing to share hope how they made it through. Survivors can show love to other people in their pain because they felt it themselves. Survivors have a story to share, and you have a story to share. You have a story to share. Survivors can become the innovators and visionaries of tomorrow as we're willing to serve Him, as we're willing to walk with Him and serve Him. Can, can you imagine uh, uh, what so many of these people had went through? Uh, their, especially their, their parents and grandparents who, who were, uh, would, would, would have been around when they were ripped out of Judah and, and out of all that area uh, and, and Jerusalem. You can imagine what they went through. Many of them were ripped up like a tree that's been hit by a uh, by a, a, what is a F5 tornado, and it hits him and just rips the tree clear up out of the ground. That's probably how they felt. They were, they were ripped up out of the ground like that. They were pulled from their roots and their homeland, and they were taken to a country that they weren't even familiar with, and they had to learn a new language to be able to interact there, to be able to make things work, Right? How else, how else do you go buy a carrot if you don't even know what a carrot is called? You can do, uh, you, you can do the old thing where you say, what is that in the language, you know, if you can't. And so you can learn from them. And, and then they, they finally you start picking up. But they had to learn a language. They had to do all of these things as they went to this new place. I think sometimes we, we misunderstand and we forget that it wasn't just a choice of theirs. Hey, let's just move. They didn't just do that, did they? They were ripped out of that place. And sometimes in our lives as followers of Christ, and even maybe before you were a follower of Christ, you were ripped out of a situation and it made it very difficult for you, but you can be a survivor. And you can allow God to work in your life. So if you face stress, you, you have to imagine what these guys went through. It's not that you haven't faced stress either, but maybe there are some similarities here. They had the opportunity not just to survive, but to become survivors. In my book, it's to take it another step. Back in January of 2014, there was a man named Jose Salvador Alvarenga, and he was rescued by people living in the Marshall Islands. 
and they had rescued him out on the water, and he was in the Pacific Ocean. He was suffering from severe dehydration. Uh, He had a lot of back pain, and he had swollen joints. Uh, And he said that he had survived more than a year at sea. And he had covered 5,000 miles in a fiberglass boat by catching fish and birds and, uh, and turtles with his bare hands. That's the only way he could survive. And his ordeal apparently began when he left Mexico for a fishing trip in December of 2012. So he was hit by a storm which sent him off course. That ocean is a big thing, isn't it? It's a big thing. And he went off course. And one, there's another guy named Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel Cordoba who was with him. And he died and threw him overboard at sea. He didn't make it. But Jose said that he stayed alive by drinking rainwater and other stuff. I'll just leave it at that. But he made it. He was a survivor. And to survive is to continue to live or to exist, especially in spite of danger or hardship. But to be a survivor really seems to go beyond a simple existence in hardship. Although that's how things can be at times. The survivor is like those who faced serious trouble but ended up turning around to help others instead. A survivor is willing to take part. Every believer was invited to serve. We know that there in Ezra. We see it there. Every believer was invited to serve. And those who responded to the king's invitation... Uh, became those innovators. They were the visionaries that came back to Jerusalem and back to rebuild the wall and then then to come back and rebuild the temple. We talked a while back about what it was like after the temple was built somewhat. Uh, But but you see, this this is what they were doing. They were called back and it wasn't just by this king, but it was by God himself because he was telling them the time has come. The third thing we see is the family leaders prepared themselves to serve. To serve, They prepared themselves. Look at what he says in Ezra chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 here. It says, Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock and with valuable gifts in addition to all the free will offerings. So they were getting things together. They were preparing themselves. They they were getting ready to come back and to rebuild. But they had to rebuild the walls, right? They had to go through all of that so that they're protected in this. And so they get things going. So the Lord stirred not only the heart of the Persian king, but he also stirred the hearts of many of the exiles who had maintained their faith in the Lord in spite of the devastation that was in their homeland. God had moved their hearts and they prepared themselves to go up and to build again. And came back to trust in the Lord. It came back to that simple fact that they had to put their faith and their trust in Christ. And we know we're looking forward to Christ. And so it came back to their trust and they they could no longer hold themselves back. And the family heads recognized of their responsibility and their opportunity to be able to serve in a powerful way. 
And you know, the easy thing for, uh, for them was to stay where they were at the new land. And you say, well, what do you mean there? You have to step back to one of the prophecies that was given besides that the people uh, of Judah, the, the people of Israel would actually come back to their land because there was another prophecy that had been given also. See, they had been there so long that they had built a new life. They had, uh, they had uh, built a new life. They adjusted to their, to their move. Uh, it wasn't quite the move of their choice, but they adjusted to it. And they did that at God's direction. Because you find it, the prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 29, verses 5 and 6, for some of you, this scripture may be familiar, and the prophet told them, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Find spouses for them that you may have many grandchildren multiply. Do not dwindle away. That was the command of the Lord from, uh, from the prophet. And so you're probably thinking, well, well here they are. They're supposed to just live here and exist. They should have. And that's right. That's what they were supposed to do. But even Jeremiah knew something else. Jeremiah knew and he had prophesied that the exile was to come to an end around 70 years. There's an end to everything. There's a time for everything. And we find that here in the scripture. And the survivors could have stayed for good, but that wasn't God's plan. They were to return home at some point. He didn't force them to go in a particular time. But if you go back to verse 1 of Ezra 1, you find the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. But now it was time for them to come back home and to do what? But to build again. They were there to build again. And does, does God speak out of both sides of his mouth? No. He doesn't do that. His word was for a season and for a time for them to build and to live there and to, to serve there. But does God, he doesn't speak out of both sides of his mouth. And now the seasons were changing. It looks like our seasons are changing. And we, we have set before us an opportunity to serve each other and to minister to the world around us. And some things have changed on how we serve, but nevertheless, we can serve. And Israel came back with an added language and added skill to do what God has called them to do. They learned some things when they were gone, right? They learned some things. They picked up some things. And so now they're coming back with more skill. And their time abroad in isolation from worship in Jerusalem had caused them to return to the basics. Remember, they, had to, they, they were supposed to do sacrifice. They had a, a whole system that God had required of them under the Mosaic law, and now the J Jerusalem temple was gone, and they couldn't do things the same way as they could before. But now they get to come back, and they had become survivors so that they could build again. Are you ready to build again? Are you ready to build again? We have to prepare ourselves. We have to prepare ourselves to build again. And your, and your time may have, an isolation may have uh, kept you away from worship. And many of you that are here, many of you have been here with us. 
Uh, but there, there is a time to build again. There's a time to share with others, and it is coming. We may not be there immediately, right? I'm not saying that we're going to be there immediately, but as we come back, what the, the people of God, they came back and they slowly came back and they started building. They started building the walls. They started moving forward in those things. That's what they did. But we find that even that old political king Cyrus offered to help. Find that interesting. Ezra chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 says this. It says, moreover... King Cyrus brought, uh, brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of his God. Uh, remember, he's the, he's the Babylonian guy that ripped uh, Judah out of their land. And uh, Cyrus, verse 8, Cyrus, king of Persia, had them brought by uh, Mithridah, which is uh, basically the name of this, the treasury. It's a name of a false god, by the way. Uh, and so, who counted them out to Shezbazar and the prince of Judah. Then if you jump over there in verse 11 and see what he says, it says, In all there were 5,400 articles of gold and silver. Shezbazar brought all of these along with the exiles when they came up to, from Babylon to Jerusalem. So Shezbazar, how would you like to have that name? <laughs> if we have another kid, we'll be able to call him Shezbazar. What do you call him, Shez for... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Shezbazar, that's his Babylonian name, and he was probably a Jewish official who served as deputy governor of Judah under the satrap of, of Samaria. And, and this guy even took off for Jerusalem with the other exiles to get ready for the buildup. So it's a process, and they're getting ready for this. That's what they're doing. And we know nothing about the details of Shezbazar's uh, journey which probably uh, it took place somewhere around 537 B.C., and the trip probably took about four months. The family heads and leaders started coming back to their place to be able to serve and to be able to rebuild. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you an innovator? Are you a visionary, an early adopter? More than anything, are you a survivor? Are you a survivor? If you are, get yourself ready to build, to build again. We have an opportunity to serve each other in the world that we live in. And my question is, is what plans are you making to prepare yourself to build again? I pray that you are making those. And, and I understand with health issues and all those things that people have, we, we understand that. And that's why when he, he didn't demand that they go, he didn't demand that they go there in Ezra, he, he gave them the opportunity to do that. And we have to get ourselves ready. We have to start making plans. We have to get ready to share with others around uh, this world and around our lives. And when we share with others, it helps. It helps you. It helps me. And we can fulfill uh, fulfill be fulfilled as we serve others in our community and in our world. Amen? God gives us opportunities. God gives us those opportunities in His time and His fashion. And like I said, it took them a little while. But I want to challenge you this morning as we wrap this up. Be ready and ready yourselves to build again. Would you stand with me this morning?
I believe that Ezra is a really a powerful, a powerful book that reminds us of how the people of God had been exiled so far away, and then they started building again. They started seeing what was at hand and seeing what would be available and how they could reestablish things in the city of Jerusalem. How they could reestablish the worship of the Lord in the proper manner. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, help us to be able to keep our hearts and our minds open, Lord. You've called each and every one of us to serve you in different ways. We know we live in a challenging time. We know the the things that set before us to some level. We don't understand it all. We don't have all the answers, Lord God. But what we do know is that you are the Lord and there is nothing too hard for you. Father, we look to you because you have proved yourself faithful. Without you, Lord, we can do nothing. But through you, Lord, we can do everything that you need us to do because you are the one who empowers your people. We thank you, Lord, for the grace and the truth that you hold in yourself and that you share with us, your people. Father God, help us to open our hearts up to you that we may follow you in the way you want us to. Lord, not our own ideas, not somebody else's idea. And Father God, we understand we do what we do according to our conscience and according to your Holy Spirit, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that you've called each and every one of us to serve you faithfully. May you, Lord, let your kingdom come in us. May you let your will be done in our lives. Father, we yield ourselves to you today. In Jesus' name.